Hello and welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast. I'm your host, Will Chernoff, and this episode is sponsored by 12th Street Sound. That's a recording studio in New Westminster where I've spent quite a lot of time. It's actually my favorite place to record and mix my own music. And anytime I get to work with Anthony Santorini, who is the engineer and owner there, it's always a good time. He has great ears, he has great skills getting sounds out of all kinds of different things. He helps you find your voice as an artist and he can get a project done for you in any number of ways, from tracking your music, to mixing it, to doing a full production with you where he takes a song idea from the earliest stages all the way to the end. If you want to work with Anthony at 12th Street Sound, you can learn more at 12thstreet.ca slash booking. And when you go there and fill out his form to work on your next music project in 2022, tell him that the RCP sent you. That's 12thstreet.ca, 12thst.ca slash booking. And when you book now with Anthony, tell him that the RCP sent you. Happy music making in 2022. Also, this is a public service announcement, not a sponsorship. I'm doing this of my own free will and free time for my friends over at Unsigned BC. They're an independent outlet similar to Rhythm Changes, but in a different genre and a different home base. In their case, it's Greater Victoria. But they are coming over to Vancouver to produce a live event that's the biggest in-person thing they have done to date. They've been making a radio show on Vancouver Co-op Radio and featuring lots of independent talent from Metro Vancouver and Greater Victoria. Their show is on Saturday, May 28th, with a 7 p.m. start at the Red Gate Review stage. The show is called Cold World, a Benefit Concert for Ukraine. It features several independent artists, a lot of them in the hip-hop and R&B and singer-songwriter genres. I highly encourage you to check this event out. It is on Saturday, May 28th at Redgate. Once again, it is called Cold World, a Benefit Concert for Ukraine, presented by Unsigned BC. Go to unsignedbc.com or check out the link I'm including in the description of this episode to learn more. I miss playing like that because when I was at school, it was very music schooly, and you're sitting down, politely clapping. This was not that. This was hooting and hollering and dancing, and it was just like... I felt a little bit like a rock star. (laughs) Happy Wednesday and coming to you from New Westminster, BC. It's the Rhythm Changes podcast, the only weekly interview podcast about creative music in Canada. On this show, I bring you my favorite kind of conversations from the working world of music, where I just get to hang with an artist, learn what they're all about and share them with you. This week, I have a conversation with a singer songwriter who's just coming back from a program at Selkirk College, and I'm excited to hear about what she's been up to. That's up next. Our guest today is a singer, producer, and multi-instrumentalist who released a single called Forgive Me on May 6th, 2022. This song follows on her EP from 2021, Greetings and Salutations, and you can watch the music video for Forgive Me now. You can stream her music anywhere or find her under her own name on Instagram, Twitter, and Bandcamp. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, finishing her first year at Selkirk College. Hallelujah, hi Lou. Hi, it's me. Hallelujah, <laughs> hi Lou. I'm in the same room. Wow, in-person interviews. Welcome. Welcome to New Westminster. You have some radio show experience yourself, so it's cool to have another seasoned interviewer in the room. Or did you, was that a co-hosted show, Vibe Check? What was, was the format? So like uh, when I did Vibe Check at CGSF, me and my friend Lisa hosted, Lisa Sahadi. Um, it was our high school work experience. Nice. So much fun. And we like switched uh, like every other week with our like brother show, which 
I can't even remember what it was called because we just combined. It was an interview kind of show. We'd find like a random music person within the city and play their music and talk to them. And it was really just an excuse to like talk to local artists. We were too afraid to like be <laughs> like, how do you do this? Yeah. Okay. So it was a co-hosted thing and you did have guests. So you are a seasoned interviewer. I was right about that. I thought so. You just gave me that energy, right? You know? <laughs> so Forgive Me is a really cool song. It does match some of the other stuff that you've done because it does continue your self-production journey, right? Like you're playing a bunch of different instruments. You're working with people like Evan, who we've covered on Rhythm Changes before, Stark, right? He's produced multiple of your songs, right? Yep. How does that work with you and him when you're putting together a song like Forgive Me Now? What's the production process like for you right now? Well, here's the fun part. He actually didn't produce Forgive Me. My okay. friend Ethan did. When we worked on this song, it's, it's been done for like two years. Nice. Um, the song came like came to be around like it was when I was finishing my EP, so it just it just didn't fit in the EP. So of course it sat around. I was like, what do I do with this? Because it doesn't fit in my EP. And the first draft of it I did in a song camp with like the artist collective Sunnyside. So I wrote it over a weekend with Ethan Lum, who is not good at social media so you won't find him anywhere on the internet well this is why we need to know yeah no he is really just like we sat in like a call with like and we're like what do we what do we want to do and he was like i want to write a really weird aggressive bedroom pop kind of thing aggressive bedroom pop was what we were going for we sat down um and although it's not like the writing style i kind of usually do it was mostly just done within the daw like the song was written that weekend of course we had to re-record everything because it was terribly recorded <laughs> like <laughs> on like a blue yeti mic and like you could hear like the room tone it's just oh but yeah in this new final iteration of it the song's been done for a while so i started playing it last summer to kind of just be like oh do people like this uh, a really close friend of mine sophia mancini she plays violin and i was like oh you should you should rip some violin on this song and it was just it just went so well live that we ended up including it in the final version. And so um, Ethan doesn't mix, but Evan does. And he has a great ear for at least mixing my voice. So I'm just like, Evan, I want this, this, and this. And he did his magic mixing engineer things, and I let him do that. But <laughs> I do not have mixing engineer ears. Yeah, me neither. I only have gave myself a crash course in just how to make the podcast. When I started doing the show, I didn't know the first thing about audio. I'd only ever worked as a performer. So I always felt a little embarrassed by that. That's something that I've been trying to catch up on. But yeah, it definitely shows that you have these people around you in this Sunnyside Live Collective, right? Who else is in this group right now or over mm -hmm. the past year? Who is in the Sunnyside Collective? Uh, my friend Panda, who goes by very many monikers, uh, Ikari or... Ivy or Ace, those are all names he goes by as a musician. Uh, Neve, who works on a lot of stuff with Panda or Ikari or Ace. Um, uh, April Liang, Sophie yeah. Mancini. I, it's a rotating cast. It's just like my friends. Like it's just people I talk to. So <laughs> it's not like, oh, like Sony Side Live or whatever. It's just like, oh, I have this person's number and I've known them since I was like 15. So of course, they're the people I'm going to end up working with the most. Yeah. So you're the leader. I, I very, <laughs> I, it's, it's very, sometimes I do leadershipy things, but I don't, it's not a very well-organized collective and like somebody's a set leader. It's very, there's, there's better wording for it, but yeah. <laughs> gotcha. 
you have a certain role that you're used to and you feel like these people are all connected to you in some way. Yeah. So that counts, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so you've played live twice recently as far as when we're sitting down here in New West to record this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. Maybe I'll go backwards. Just last night, you played music at The Wallflower in a singer-songwriter feature series of sorts called Mixtape Volume 1 that was presented by Sleepy Queers Productions, and I came to know of it through Helm Studios and Josh Eastman. So that was less than 24 hours ago. So how did yeah. that go for you? What was it <laughs> that like? That was so much fun. Um, I, at least like in, a, like in a while, haven't gotten to like just be me and my guitar. I've been running around at school and playing with my friends in a band. I was just like, I need to, I need to have me and guitar time, which is I don't get to do that enough anymore. I played a bunch of songs that are not going to come out for a while because I have a habit of that now, like writing something and then letting it sit in my hard drive for two years, which Um, I got to play some music. I got to see how people kind of reacted and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back and change this or whatever. So it was such a cool environment to do that in. I think the funniest thing, so Dust, uh, one of the organizers, they have a background in drag. And so they had this thing where there's a drink menu and I got an email a couple of weeks before the show. And they're like, oh, you guys get to name drinks. Okay. <laughs> like I posted about it. I did not know what to, what do I name a custom drink that's like named after me? I have to give credit to my friend, Wynn, who directed the music video for Forgive Me. She was like, it's so obvious. It's raining men. Hallelujah. And so that was the name oh. of the custom drink on the menu. So all the artists got to have one of those. Everybody that played was so cool. It was good great to hear like other people around vancouver since i took such a huge break away from being in vancouver it's like oh this is what's going on yeah okay yeah so so i saw your stories about that where your mom was drinking your drink (laughs) which was great and you threw in that song on the stories as a music clip and i was like what's the connection here and now okay now that makes perfect sense to me yeah did you know the other people who performed there some of them were all them were they all new to you i knew grim that was just because i feel like i see them a lot on instagram um, but everybody else, at least in specific projects, like, um, Bell's Tower, I, I recognized them from somewhere. And I, the, the weird part is a musician, at least in the last couple months or a year or whatever, it's been like, oh, I know you from Instagram. This is, this is what you look like in real life. I thought you were taller. I thought you were shorter. <laughs> and so it was a lot of that last night. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess technically that's my experience with you here now. Yes. I can't say I have anything other than that. So that was on Tuesday. April 26th. So if you rewind to the previous weekend on Friday, you played a show that was a little bigger than this one. So (laughs) where was that and what happened there? That was at SBC Smiling Buddha Cafe, Cabaret. I don't remember what it officially goes at. Really cool venue. I did not know until a couple days before it has like a crap ton of history behind it. Um, This venue was like, there's like a lot of rumors about who played there in the 70s. So the fun's like, oh, Jimi Hendrix played there at some point or... Tina Turner is the weirdest one. Whoa. I was like, what is she doing here? Um, the last iteration before this one, I think it was Smiling Buddha's Cafe, and there was like a, like a half pipe in there or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool space. Graffiti everywhere. Echoey. Love it. Um, and I played with my friend's bands. Lila Gray played and Cat Larceny. Really cool project that I heard of through my friend Eva, who's a part of it and i'm pretty sure the lineup is her and alec benjamin and of course like the rest of their band but they're the songwriting duo behind it so much fun <laughs> and you hadn't been in this room before 
No, I had to like rely on like my friends who are just were living in Vancouver while I was at school to be like, can you go and go to a show here uh, before I, I, I book it out? And it's like, oh yeah, no, it's super cool. Like, I think you're going to like this. And I did love the space. Um, yeah, no, it's the first time I've been able to just be like playing my own music with a full band since like the summer before. And damn, it was fun. Like I played a couple of covers and I, I think what I'm doing for now is like, Everything I cover is gonna be Canadian, so I was like, okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. We played like um, a mother mother song, and people started moshing. And I was like, oh my god, this is this hasn't happened before. Oh my god, ah! <laughs> um, the crowd was amazing. I I feel like performing, you can do so much, but if the audience isn't there, like you, you can't feel it or whatever. But it was just great. I can't ah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a two-way street, right? Yeah. Like, you both need each other. That's what makes it special when you play a live gig, right? Yeah, I I miss playing like that because when I was at school, it was very music schooly, and you're sitting down and you're enjoying and you're politely clapping. This was not that. This was hooting and hollering and, and dancing and, and moshing, right? Like, it was just like, I felt a little bit like a rock star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a tiny bit to like... The, the crowd that's like mostly friends and acquaintances of mine who hadn't seen me in a while. Um, yeah. yeah. We all deserve the a chance to feel like a rock star among our own people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, and it's just like, it was so amazing. The whole Instagram aspect of like so many people I knew through social media coming out, seeing them, running into all these cool creative people that like I, I haven't talked to a lot. Um, a friend A friend of a friend was uh, shot a bunch of pictures for me for the show and i hadn't met them in person until the friday before or like the tuesday before the show and it was like okay you're really nice you're really cool and you're incredibly talented like within this other medium that i'm not familiar with And it was like oh cool and that's what the last kind of weeks back have been for me like oh my god there's so many cool creative people that i'm getting to run into and talk to yeah, maybe you have more eyes for it now or you have more of a fashion to like be out there and be looking for them so they're popping up. Now you yeah. when you think about something then you start seeing it everywhere, right? That's 100% what it is. Yeah. You've mentioned it a little bit. You've been talking about your weeks back and your year away from Vancouver. That's cuz you've been at Selkirk College in Nelson. First, there's a little connection that we have randomly because there's somebody in the jazz world who's up for a Juno this year and I reviewed the album he's nominated for when it came out it's called Arancina, esteemed canadian jazz piano player and you dm'd me early in your year at selkirk and told me that he is your teacher so what is dave restivo like as a teacher dave restivo is i think one of my i, I can i say this about all the faculty at selkirk they're all amazing dave is so cool yeah. um he's like kind of like more of a quiet reserved dude and my roommate who's the second year in the program is like He's quiet because all all the energy is in his hands, the way he plays. <laughs> <laughs> he lets it all out. <laughs> he yeah. lets it all out like that. And so the first day, like our orientation, there's like Shambhala Hall, like named after the music festival. We all walk in there and then all the teachers are just playing for us. And Dave's just absolutely killing it on piano or whatever. And I was like, wow, I'm so excited to see all my teachers. And my two classes with him, one of them is basic keyboard, where imagine this amazing jazz player teaching me how to play Whoa. C like the key of C, like so incredibly talented and a great basic keyboard teacher i can kind of play a 12 bar blues now um after a year of that all right when i showed up at music school i had zero piano experience same for you yeah 
Yeah, <laughs> I really appreciated. It was called class piano for us at CAP. That was my favorite class during the time I was there. That was the one that I felt like I got so much out of because I came in never having spent any time on the keyboard and they really go through the nuts and bolts of it for you, right? Yeah, and it's that and he also taught arranging, which although it's like a very wordy like textbooky course because we have to use the Berkeley textbook for that class. Arranging is like I think one of the most helpful courses because like you learn properly about like you know arranging for a band and making charts and stuff. And although I played lots of gigs last summer and I've always been in bands and stuff, I had no idea how to arrange for a group properly. And so I'd be like playing with people and I'd be like, oh, here's the chart. It'd be like the worst chart on planet Earth. Like oh, like just like <laughs> just not some chords, <laughs> like, C minor, C like, minor. Figure a. it out. Yeah. <laughs> um. Thank you, Dave, for <laughs> guiding me nice. in the right direction. So off the top of my head, here's what I can remember being in my first year course load 10 years ago. So you would have an ear training class. You would have class piano, of course, that we mentioned. We had a history of jazz course because it was a jazz program, but you'd have some kind of music history program. You'd have some kind of theoretical course that is like intro to a whole bunch of theoretical music concepts you would have maybe ensemble classes where you're in the room with other people and you're learning how to play arrangements together that you work out and then perform them for the teacher and for your other classmates. Those are some of the first things that I can recall off the top of my head. It's but what same. was in my course, so it's the same for you? It's yeah. the same. Like I'm pretty sure our History of Jazz course is like 100% aligned with the CAP one because I get transfer credit. Um. I hate progressive rock a little bit now. Like that's the what I got out of that because the exams like they play a song like just like a thirty second clip of the song and like you have to like do like a oh this is the song this is the genre this is who wrote it and also like the history stuff you know how hard that is to do with progressive with, rock like, instrumental intros of progressive rock too. oh man dude what is it it's like Emerson Lake and Palmer they have a song yeah. called Takata holy crap I <laughs> I hated it so much because it's just like. Woo-hoo, just synth noises for like eight minutes <laughs> and there's three other songs on the list that are like that like well wow. yeah now this was first year second year lies ahead i guess i'm just curious how you chose to go there because there could have been different places that you go could have even been many different disciplines because i remember actually coming across your activism because you came on one of the other podcast that I listened to in Vancouver, the Politico's podcast, and you talked about changing the minimum age to vote. Is is that right? Is Heck that something yeah. You talked I about? love yeah. politics. Yeah. Like my background's Ethiopian. My parents forced me to watch the news growing up. I hated okay. it so much. So I've just been always hyper aware of politics and activism. When I was fourteen or fifteen, like Whenever the the pipeline construction like started, I was just like emailing my MP just like every day being like a very angry teenager and my way of getting it out was writing very strongly worded emails gotcha. to adults. And I was like, there has to be some other crap I can do about this because it's like it was an issue that was close to my heart. And I there's a local organization called Dogwood. They had like a one week day camp thing, like a youth leadership summit. I did that. And then shortly after that, a lot of people who were involved in that youth summit program were like lowering the voting age because it was it came from some side comment I made being like I should be allowed to vote right and I was just turning 16 that year so a big part of it comes from the fact of like I know so many people or at least I knew so many people when I was 16 that were working full-time and being fully like 
adults, like not just adults, but like contributing members to society who had very good awareness of what was going on in politics. And I knew adults who didn't know how a bill was passed, which you should know. I think you should be properly educated on what's going on in that aspect. If you ask somebody why they're voting for a party, they have like one issue that they're like, I don't know, I think I saw that on Twitter or something. So I'm voting for this person. I'm like, there's a lot of nuance. And there's also like an apathy of like, I don't want to go to a polling station and waste my afternoon. There are all these like gaps in voter education, getting of the vote. And a lot of it, I personally believe, can be solved by lowering the voting age. Like 16, you can consent. You can get married. That was a weird one. You can, there's a lot you can do at the age of 16 that we give these responsibilities to people of that age. But for some reason, the concept of voting is seen as like this, oh, like this is such a challenging and important right, but we don't provide good enough voter education. That's something I'm pretty passionate about. Um, I bullied my school district. When I, was, <laughs> I was like in my senior year about them being kind of racist. That was a fun one. I think that's where you showed up in the news a little bit in the yeah. local news. Yeah, I, I do recall this. Yeah. I love writing emails. I feel like this. Yeah. I wrote like a really like angry email, like letter to the editor to like a newspaper. I'm like, dumb ah, school district. And then they like published it the next day. I was like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bunch of emails and phone calls from like local press. And I was like, oh, I have to do this now. Yeah. So how did you end up at Selkirk then, given all the different things in your background here? Okay. <laughs> I had a very turbulent like, college application experience if i can get that across um i liked the idea of berkeley college of music mm -hmm. so expensive yeah so far away and i the couple weeks i actually did end up applying and auditioning probably like the worst four to six periods i've had like consistently because i got covid <laughs> okay I, I no, I got laryngitis and then I got COVID. Oh no. And then uh like it was just like I was so stressed and everything and I rescheduled my audition like three times and at this point I'm like the universe does not want me to do this. Okay. And I did it and the audition song I picked was so good. It was like a Mandy Moore song. I just could not hit any of the notes of it, so I had to like change it. It was it's probably the worst audition I've done like ever. So you um, recorded a video? No, it was like a Zoom audition. Oh, oh which, that's stressful. Yeah, it's so much worse. It just sucked so bad. And I was like, I'm not getting in. I know I'm not getting in. I just need to do this audition so I can be like, I tried. I also applied to NYU. I got like waitlisted for their music program. I applied to SCA music. I knew I did not want to go to CAP because I'm not a jazz music person. I like jazz, just can't play it. Selkirk came from like I like the idea of Berkeley which is like more contemporary music but of course there's like a lot of jazz and blues and history and so Selkirk is a Berkeley College of Music partner so oh, okay Didn't know I that. if I ever decide to go to Berkeley all my credits transfer over nice pretty sick uh, a lot of the teachers are from the states which a lot of them are involved or have been I think involved with some aspect of Berkeley we use a lot of the textbooks and stuff like that the moving to Nelson aspect, I was like, I, I applied to like and got into a couple other Berkeley partners through Canada. Nelson was just the closest, the closest. one. Okay, yeah. I could have went to like, there was one in PEI. I was really debating moving to PEI and then I realized how crazy I sounded. And oh. I started like asking around about Selkirk and I couldn't find anyone who had recently graduated, which now I think I didn't look hard enough because the moment I finished my first year, I found a million people. 
who lived around here who graduated i just started finding random people that had lived in nelson or whatever specifically lila gray i met her through my time at vibe check and i assumed she was from vancouver because her producer uh nicholas his last name slips my mind um, he works at blue light and uh i was like oh, I see pictures of you at this studio all the time. You're from Vancouver. She's like, no, I live in Nelson. I just come down here to record. Oh. Like, what? And so purely off of a couple of friends of advice, like Nelson's like a super cool, little weird, quirky, creative town. Um, the program's really good. I've heard great things from just like Berkeley partner, right? Solid curriculum. It's like, all right. I'll tell, let's see how this yeah. goes. <laughs> a stubborn, risky decision. Like, what if I hated it? It was, it's been a pretty good experience, but it was very much like, I don't know. I kind of Googled it a couple of times and asked a few people. This should be good. Like, Nice. You were moved to Nelson. You were there. You hadn't been there before. You had to get used to, well, what is life like in Nelson? And it's maybe cold. this will be it's cold. <laughs> a funny place to close. But now you're going to be heading back for your second year in the fall, right? So mm-hmm. what have you learned or seen about living in nelson that's going to be on your mind when you show up there again this fall I know, it's cold <laughs> I, I know i'm from vancouver and we don't get real winter here but like someone's like yeah it gets a little snowier no it's, it's so cold it's it snows to like my like like elbows which is like i'm like five once so that's like three feet like sometimes it got really bad uh, I remember Lila being like, oh, you have to get stuff to put on your shoes because it gets icy. And I didn't believe her. And I fell down the stairs to school a couple Aww. of times. Like, it's cold. And the people are weird, but like in a good way. Like, Nelson is like, I think, Oregon with less people. Or like, it, it's just like a really weird place. Um, the people are very friendly. It caught me off guard so bad like i'd be walking down the street and random people be like hi how are you doing and i would just be like what do you want from me are you gonna steal (laughs) my immediate like just people just are curious like it's really just that it was strange because it was like the most white people i've seen in a town in a while um right it was it was very strange like i think there's one student who was just from rwanda and me were like wow this is this is an experience right like look at these people like we're the we're the we are the only africans that they're gonna interact with ever like that's crazy the program i i could talk about how silly all of the people are i love musicians musicians are silly people though yes absolutely very silly people i think the program my year since it was a covid year like 70 people like pretty like small i guess everybody knows each other kind of but like you're not like best friends with everybody but everyone knows each other it was funny, at least with like like my thing. Like I'm like a songwriter, being like, did somebody just write a song about so and so? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go down not that. Not gonna ask. Hole. I'm not gonna <laughs> ask, but I'm gonna assume. Um, I'm not 19. That was the part that sucked about living in Nelson. A lot of the shows, all at bars. There is nothing to do if you are not 19. It would be my roommates being like, we're gonna go to karaoke night. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna. Yes. I had this too because I did my one year. I was 17 and 18 through that year. And all my friends had their 19th birthdays. I didn't go to any of them. (laughs) And then by the time I had mine, I had left. Yeah, it sucks. Like, I feel spoiled being able to go like all ages shows all the time when I'm in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. yeah. So next year will be a lot more interesting, I guess. So I can can actually go see people's bands live. That's going to be fun. Yes. Ugh. 
and see my teachers live. That that right. was like a, all the teachers play around town, and so I was sad that I didn't get to see them. Play That's their a huge own part shows. of being in music school too. Yeah. yeah, is being able to see them out in the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw my teachers at like the grocery store because there was two grocery stores in town. Like wow. <laughs> that that was a weird part of Nelson. There's not a lot going on. Like it's a very compact place to live. Yeah. Everybody kind of buys groceries at the Savon. All of the mall is like four stores. And so you just run into everyone and like kind of the the mall. I'm yeah. putting quotations on the mall. It's a Savon and a Walmart, the mall. <laughs> so like it was like, "Oh, hi Dave." <laughs> like <laughs> I ran into Dave at the grocery store. Go, "Hi Dave." Um yeah, running into people a lot in public. I thought that was bad in Vancouver. Like, I will, like whenever I'm taking the train, I'm like, oh, these are all the people from high school. I don't like, cool. Nelson is that times a million. And I didn't process that because it's 10,000 people there, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, now you get to have that feeling of bumping into people, but they're with people who you spent a year with and now you know each other and you like a lot of them. And so it'll be good. I'm looking forward to the new music that you're dropping too that'll follow on. Forgive me, I like the way you've put this one together with the music video and the photos. And I like the way your aesthetic and your sound come together. It's really cool. I'm excited to keep following it. Thank you. And special thanks to my friend Wynn who directed it. Shot on film. The film aspect was her idea, not mine. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, it's really cool and I'm excited for it to be in front of more people's eyes. (laughs) Very nice. And I hope to finally... Maybe someday I'll find myself in that three block radius and I'll get to see this mall that you're talking about for real. So thanks for catching me and coming here to New West and thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you like what we do here, I invite you to sign up to the free weekly article that I write on rhythmchanges.ca. This week's article, available now, is a review of an album by a band called Way North. The album is called New Dreams Old Stories, and it warms my folky and my jazz heart at the same time. You can check that out and sign up for future editions of the free weekly article at rhythmchanges.ca.